Pick Podcast, Picks and Perspectives with Chris Johnson. Jeff. Sorry, I, I just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, no, you're good, man. That's all, it's all good. I hope that you've been getting some good rest, yeah? Yeah, I've been doing really well, man. Thank you. Yeah, uh, congratulations um, on your recent uh, weekend that you got married, yeah? Oh, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> Settled down after a after a long time. So yeah, it's uh, feels good. Feels good. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, thank so you. That, hopefully everything went well with that. Um, uh, we got rained out actually. Oh no! <laughs> T- typical, you know, typical Seattle weather. And uh, it's funny because, you know, we had a drought for like ninety days here, or something like that, where we didn't get any rain whatsoever. And then of course it decides to rain on. On my special day, <laughs> so yeah, oh, that's man. what happens. You know, you know Seattle weather, though, Chris. So yeah, <laughs> I do. I'm very, I'm very yeah. familiar. I, yeah, and actually, you know, because of how dry and uh, droughty it's been here, I've actually missed it because it gets right. so dry for so long. Yeah. You're like, wait, we need. I mean, I'm the whole reason why I'm back. I'm back home in Chico, California, these days, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, I love my hometown, but uh, you know. If it doesn't rain, the creek doesn't flow, you know, like I mean, right. the ice melt can only uh, supply yeah. so much flow. And the, the creek here is like the biggest relief from the like we had <laughs> almost all of July was over 100 degrees every day. No, I don't think I could. Uh, I don't think <laughs> I could crazy. stand that personally. Yeah, that's <laughs> too much for me. Let me, t- let me tell you, my yeah. air conditioning bill is not cheap. It's like <laughs> I, I, yeah. I got the bill the other day and they're just like, we're just putting you on a payment plan. Already, we're not, we're not even asking you. We're just you're on a payment plan. I'm like, I hear okay, you. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you? You're obviously a Seattle native, so I mean, right? You were kind of born and raised here, or no? Actually, or born not? and raised here, but but you were uh, okay. I, I I left in in and came up to Seattle in 2000, and oh, okay, um, and and that's because I I left here to want to be in a in a band, and I was like a couple of my buddies had moved up there. My buddy Ryan. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were just like, Chico's not going to be the place where we're going to make it. We got to go someplace. Right. And we were all fans right. of grunge and metal. And so we're just like, that's it. Seattle's got to be the place. And uh, hey, yeah, that's exactly when I moved out here, you know, um, back in the 91, actually, April of 91. So I literally just celebrated my my 30th year here in, in Seattle. So it's unbelievable. Time just flies by so fast. But uh I've enjoyed every year. You know, I moved out in the early nineties as well, like right when the Seattle grunge explosion happened mm-hmm. and uh, it was pretty mind blowing, you know, where you could like walk downtown and you would, uh, you know, you'd see like a Macy's store and you'd see like a mannequin dressed up in a flannel and <laughs> Dr. Martin's, you know, like they were selling that kind of clothing, you know? So it's, it's pretty funny how, how grunge really affected this whole area for quite some time, you know? The merchandising just flowed right right after the popularity yeah. of it. See, I actually exactly. made it there. Yeah. I made it there. Uh, I visited my first time in late '99, but then moved in mm-hmm. May of May of 2000 is how I is that when I made up to about a decade later. Um, okay. To and then uh, was like right around Dead Heart uh, mm-hmm. when Nevermore. You know, when that was brand new in that era. Yeah. That's like when I 2000. It's funny. Yeah, we did that. Yeah. Dude, it was like when I moved to Seattle, everybody's like, oh, you got to check out Nevermore, Nevermore. Oh, Jeff mm-hmm. Loomis. Oh, Nevermore. Jeff Loomis. I was like, and I had, I was, every every show I go to, I'd meet a guitar player or something. I remember, like, I met Shannon Sharp and a bunch of other guys. And 
They're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah yep. you know, you got to take lessons with Jeff Loomis if you're in Seattle and in, into metal, you know? And it was like, I was intimidated, mm-hmm. bro. And we went to, uh, <laughs> I remember you guys played a show. I mean, you guys played so many shows, but at the, uh, we did, we did Showbox soda yeah. or um, not, not the market one. It was with soil work. Maybe. I don't know. Oh yes. Yeah. I remember that gig. I mean, dude, we played, that's the funny thing, you know, like you would figure in the early nineties when we were trying to make it as a band, um, to make a long story short, I, I moved to Seattle to join the band sanctuary. And, mm, okay. uh, that was a very popular popular band in the you know late 80s early 90s they put out two records and um i moved to seattle to join that band i i got the audition and uh then the band broke up shortly after that like two months after that and then warrell dane jim shepherd and i decided to stay together to form another metal band called nevermore and the rest is history Mm. but the funny thing is about this whole thing is you know we played a lot of shows and you would figure that because of this whole grunge explosion happening at that time, metal really wouldn't be in. But it's like quite the opposite. I mean, we played many, many packed out shows back in the day uh, and people still still loved the metal. So it, it oh, never yeah. really went away. You know what I'm saying? So that was cool. That was a cool thing about that time. I was thankful. I mean, especially as a as a young person showing up to Seattle and going and thinking maybe there wasn't room for metal there. But then seeing mm-hmm. the the music I mean, you know, it's funny because I remember showing up and everybody's like, oh, it's not what it used to be. And I'm like, this is better than anywhere else I've been. Like, are you guys <laughs> complaining about this shit right now? Yeah. Really? Because like, yeah, yeah. that's love it or hate it. That Seattle Metal Online like forum, mm-hmm. like kept a mm-hmm. lot of like local bands like thriving and booking shows together and all up and Very down much. all the way up to Bellingham, down to uh, Tacoma yeah. and that whole thing, man. Yeah, I, I yeah. praise it. Yeah, it's it was a fun time, and uh, you know, lots of good memories being in Nevermore, of course. But uh, I've since moved on, and <laughs> you know, we still have the music to listen to. But I had a damn good time in that band. You know, it was like uh, kind of like my baby, if you will, in a way. You know, and it was, uh, gosh, eighteen good years of uh, of uh, a lot of touring and a lot of albums with that band. So lots of good memories there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's mm-hmm. it's. Uh... It's still highly praised. I mean, a lot of people I know, you know, obviously people reach out to you and like, man, the Nevermore stuff, you know, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I, I can't, I can't, you know, ever not talk about it because it's such a huge part of my life. And uh, it's just cool to see like other generations and stuff like that it, showing interest in metal like that, because I mean, in a way, Nevermore was kind of an underground cult kind of metal band that, you know, just I don't know. It, it it was always there. You know what I'm saying? And I think a few of our albums really stood out more than others, you know, especially when you were mentioning Dead Heart. Um, that's the era where we kind of broke out the seven strings and became a bit heavier of a sounding band. Um, so, yeah, that really kind of put us on the map, that album. And from there on out, it was just it was a lot of touring and we got really, really lucky to play with so many different cool bands. Our very first tour that we ever did was in 95 with uh, Mm. we had just gotten signed and um, we got a call from the band Death, believe it or not, Chuck Uh Schuldner. And and, uh, they're like, yeah, we'd really like you to come out and open up for us, which was weird to us because Death is such a, you know, death metal band and, you know, with these crazy vocals and all this stuff. And we're like, why do they want us? You know, it turns (laughs) out Chuck was a very big, you know, fan of clean vocal singing. And, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so it's it's a funny story. We we didn't have any money back in those days, and we we ended up going out renting this empty cargo van, and then we went to the second hand store and got two love seats and <laughs> nailed them into this van. <laughs> Holy shit! And uh, yeah, shoved all our gear in there and literally drove from Seattle to Boston in three oh. days. We made it in three days. Yeah, for the first show of that tour, and. Uh, what memories that was, you know, that was just a, a crazy time just to do anything you could possibly do to play a gig and, and open up for a killer band. And that's what we did. You know, there was, we were just biting at the bit to, to get bigger as a band. And that's what we did. So, man, yeah. that's a cool story. Uh, and how many yeah. cell phones were, did you use during that? How many? <laughs> Absolutely zero. I remember oh. calling, I remember calling my mom from pay phones from bars and just telling her I was oh. all right, you know? So, dude. yeah. And the funny thing too is, dude, there was, this was the middle of the summer, right? This is the middle mm -hmm. of the summer. So this van had no AC. So we had these two little fans that we bought that we like mounted up in each corner that was just blowing hot air, <laughs> like recirculating <laughs> hot air. And it just didn't help and at farts. all, you know? And farts. And farts. farts. Yeah, tour <laughs> farts. And dude, it was so fun. <laughs> so, so much fun. Wow, that's cool. How was it? Um, how much time did you get in and around Chuck and the band? Like, did you guys do more than just that one show or just that one show? Oh, yeah, we did a full on month long tour with them and uh, just fond memories, really. You know, obviously back in my drinking days and stuff. And we, you know, we had qu quite a few after show drinks and talks about metal and stuff. And one thing that I still have to this day is a signed laminate from him uh, mm. saying to Jeff, keep the metal flowing, Chuck Schuldner. Mm. And uh, just like I hold that really close, you know, because he's such a pioneer in that movement of of metal and uh, was such a wonderful guy. You know, he was just such a great dude and such an amazing riff writer. And, uh, you know, it was just an honor to really know him for the short time that I did. And, you know, we did numerous other tours after that with different bands. And whenever we'd come to Florida, he'd always be there at our show right on the side of the stage. He was a big yeah. fan. So oh, it was pretty man. cool. That warms yeah. my heart. Yeah, it's cool. Cool story. <laughs> Man, well, that's yeah, that's just like one of the legacy things. I mean, like I was just remembering this morning about the the story about um you being a youngin and basically being able to get into Megadeth, but you know, Dave's going, mm. "Oh, man, you're too young, bro. Come back." Yeah, and it's like you've almost been in that band a couple of times. Like, yeah, yeah, it just never kind of panned out really. And um, you know, it's that was a crazy story. That was the first time I ever flew in a damn airplane. You know, I was basically really? 16 years old. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin boy. Um, I had a few friends scattered about the United States at that time. And one in particular, uh, his name is Craig Nielsen. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me mentioning his name on here because he had a brief stint in the band Flotsam and Jetsam for a while mm -hmm. as a drummer, but we grew up together basically in Wisconsin. And, uh, he had caught wind in LA that Megadeth was looking for a guitar player. Um, this was right around 88 or 89, I believe. And uh, I just basically learned four of their songs and sent them a tape and they heard it and they really, really, really liked it. Um, little did they know I was only 16 years old at the time. So they, they were like, come, they didn't know that. So they're like, fly out here and we want to audition you. And I did just that. And when they called my name, they were really surprised just to see this punk kid, <laughs> you know, like you're just a chit, you're a kid, you know, what's going on. And it was just a funny story. They let me play the four songs with them and they gave me my shot 
but they were just really honest afterwards, you know, and Mustaine came up to me and said, Hey, you're just too young. Um, stick with it. And one day you're going to be a killer guitar player. So he kind of gave me that and I held on to that. And, uh, years later in 2005, there we are in Nevermore opening up for Megadeth on the Gigantic Tour. So it's, it all kind of worked its way about, you know, it's, uh, it took time, but I mean, that's with anything in the music business today, you know, it's time and perseverance and putting all your efforts into everything, 110%. That's what you have to do to make it. And that's what we, we were willing to do as a band back then, you know? Yeah. I think, I think I don't need, I don't ever mean to shame the current generation or generations post us, or, you know, I'm a little bit uh, younger than you, but like the, mm -hmm. You know, some of the, the people, the kids these days, you know, I hate to say that, but like, I feel old, mm -hmm. I'm turning 45, man. Um, mm -hmm. Happy belated birthday. I know your birthday was last month. Um, yeah, I just turned the big 5-0, dude. Yeah, buddy. 5-0. Yeah. And you look good, man. And you're like healthy uh, as ever. So like that. Yeah, I'm doing okay, man. I do, I'm doing okay. You know, I live a clean lifestyle now, of course. And, you know, I just uh, yeah. watch my health because that's all I have, you know, my health and uh, I want to keep playing music until the day I'm gone. So, you know, like got to keep, got to keep healthy. Yeah, man. I, and, and mm -hmm. the, like I was going to say, like kids these days don't understand what prior to internet, prior to cell phone, prior to the thing that is just like everyday bread and butter these days, we, mm -hmm. we hustled. Like, I mean, just like to book shows, even in 2000, when I got my band together, barely, I mean, we were out hustling at where every metal show flyer and right. handing leaflets out you know because yeah. you had you did there was yeah. only one way to do it and you had to get in people's face and say hey man i'm i'm trying really hard to like get a show and be a band and i need you to come and check mm -hmm. me out you know right exactly exactly i mean it's you can look at it in different ways you know like it's so different nowadays of course with um you know uh computers and everything like this and uh i mean I think it lacks sometimes just you getting together with people and playing music. You know, that's such a big part right. about being a musician nowadays is just jamming with other people and uh, being in a garage with your, your, your high school bandmates or whatever, and just playing together. Um, I don't know. I, see, I don't see a lot of that anymore, to be quite honest, but at the same time, I mean, I'm seeing really, really young kids nowadays that are just so almost prodigy like on their instruments. And it's just mm -hmm. because they have all this, this network of huge information over YouTube uh, on any lesson they really want as far as guitar goes. So, I mean, that's pretty cool too. You know what I'm saying? So there's the ups it and is. downs of all that, but uh, I think it's the way that you, you do it yourself and how, how you use that, that tool to, to better yourself. But I think that it's, it's always a good thing to surround yourself with other musicians and jam as much as possible. And, and really to, to write your own music. You know, I see a lot mm -hmm. of people, networking themselves but they're always doing a cover of something or or whatever that's cool too it's fun but really it's all about writing your own stuff and uh, being creative and making a name for yourself in that regard you know that's really important and uh i remember at a young age i you know i didn't have you know 70 guitars or whatever like i do now i had one guitar and a four track <laughs> and that's really all you need man you yeah. know what i mean it's just like i was always composing and uh writing riffs and little little things and little parts and trying to fit them together like a piece of a puzzle and, and write music. So, you know, it's, uh, everybody has their own way of doing things, but uh, I always just like to be creative in my own right and make a, a style of my own. You know, that's what I'd always tried to do. Mm. 
Amen to that, dude. Mm-hmm. I I a hundred percent can appreciate that approach, uh, especially because I feel like I don't have the attention span to to really sit there and like unless to learn somebody else's thing. Like, I mean, can I yeah. probably? But like, I have always mm-hmm. found more pleasure in just feeling something out for myself and then because yeah. i wrote the thing i'm like well what notes were in that and it makes me get <laughs> and I'm, I'm more curious about the thing that you know what time signature is that in like when i sit there and i play with it right. and then before you know it if you put all this effort in and it may not be mm-hmm. great in the beginning but it's yours that's the difference it's yours. Right? When, yeah. yeah whatever yeah. the end result is it's yours and you get to do something with that and maybe it goes somewhere maybe it's just for practice you know absolutely yeah man yeah it's uh i've just always loved the instrument you know what i mean even at a young age it's funny because i always mentioned my parents were were teachers my dad was a psychology teacher and my mom was an english teacher and you would think that you know with me showing interest in guitar at a young age that they'd want me to just have that as a hobby you know and pursue college and all that kind of stuff but it was quite the opposite you know they were very, very supportive, you know, and I'm very fortunate that I've, I had parents like that, you know, uh, especially my father who was like very into music, always pushing me to, to be my best at what I loved. And that's, that's a huge deal. That's why I'm here right now, you know, talking Mm -hmm. about music is because of, because of them, you know what I mean? And, um, and it's really about just the hours you put in, man, you know, it's like, you have to play hours and hours and hours each day to really be your best. And, you know, uh, <laughs> it's repetitiveness, you know, always playing the same thing over and over until you get that certain sound you're looking for. So I have hours of guitar playing time in, man, quite a few. Mm. <laughs> and it's yeah, all I because imagine. I just love, it's all because I just love to do it. You know what I mean? You have to really love it. And, um, you know, it's just something that's been with me my whole damn life. And uh, I just can't think of anything else or better to do that I that I love more than than playing music, you know, it's the best. It's my way of expressing myself because I'm kind of a shy guy and uh, it's my way of, you know, my mind coming out through my notes. You know what I mean? That's where your flash comes is like in your mm-hmm. like extroverted ability to be because, bro, like one of the things that I mm-hmm. love about Jeff Loomis is playing right is mm-hmm. the ferociousness of it. Like and mm. I can pick you out when you do guest solos like I'll just be listening and it'll be a Spotify radio. I'm like, Poof. Oh, that sounds yeah. like, well, oh shit. Yeah. He did. He was on this. Oh, you know, like, and, <laughs> like, so it's Thanks, like, yeah. And, and yeah. one of the biggest ones for me, I know you've done a lot of great ones that, but, um, mm-hmm. that David Maxim solo on below 3.0 is still to this day. One of my that favorite was a fun ones. One. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh. I always like, it's always fun doing guest solos for friends and stuff. And I actually re-listened to one the other day that was like, like lots of times, you know, no ego here, but you know, like lots of times (laughs) if I'll hear something I've done in the past, I'm like, okay, that was, that was all right. But I listened to the uh, track I did for uh, Periphery the other day on a title song called Race Car. And uh, I thought that solo turned out really cool. That was a a fun one. And Misha is awesome. You know, he's a, he's a good buddy. And uh, it's really cool to see how far he's gotten with his career and stuff. It's uh it's awesome. You know, he's really built that whole band up from just the base to, to really another level. And so I'm really proud of that guy, man. He's an awesome musician and uh, a really cool dude. So yeah, yeah, I was really honored that he asked me to play a solo on, on his music. Jeez. Almost 10 years ago now, I think, or something. It's, I remember <laughs> when it was brand new, I remember him showing it to me and I was like, 
bro, you got Loomis. Um, That's sick. And, and then like, yeah. Next thing, next thing I know, he was like, yeah, we got Guthrie on this one over here. I was like, shit, mm-hmm. dude, you guys are like, I mean, you're, you all, you know who the right people are and you're pulling them into your thing. And I mean, that's yeah. not uncommon, yeah. but like, you know, you, when you see somebody that chooses all the right people and like, they're all interested, then that just mm-hmm. every, kind of speaks to both, both the character of both sides, you know, both the band and the players that they're being vi- invited in. And um, absolutely. Yep. He was, yep. He, I remember him yeah. being super hyped about that whole thing. Yeah. It's good, good, good times, man. Definitely. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, uh, what are your first memories of like getting a guitar pick? Do you remember what they were like? And, um, you know, yeah. it was anybody, did anybody like inspire you to like play a certain pick for a while? And how did you get to play what you play now? I mean, I know you're playing a signature pick now, so that's mm-hmm. like, yep. you know, something that I actually got to help with and I'm thankful with, but yeah, yeah. Give us a, give us a little bit of history around the guitar picking thing for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think it all started with, um, I'm going to have to say, uh, well, my fascination with Ingve Malmsteen back when he, uh, first released, um, well, I guess the first thing I heard from Ingve was uh, the Rising Force album, which mm-hmm. is basically like that his first real re- kind of release, you know, before Alcatraz and stuff like that. And um, I remember reading interviews in like old guitar player magazines um, because I was just really fascinated with his technique and his speed and all that stuff. And I remember him saying that he was using Fender extra heavy uh, guitar picks. So. I remember going down to the local music store uh, in Wisconsin and asking them for a Fender extra heavy guitar pick. And they were like, Oh, we don't carry those, you know, because back then they were kind of like almost obnoxious picks. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like nobody Mm -hmm. used an extra heavy. (laughs) Um, And then I remember uh, a friend of mine that worked at the store was able to actually order them and uh, they got them in and I tried them and really loved the feel, you know, just with the string, I'm sorry, with the pick, blasting through the string and I could really uh, I could really like execute uh, fast picking a lot better with a with a really heavy pick and then from there I moved on to uh, the purple uh, Jim Dunlop pick the 2.0 mm. uh, which I used for many 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 years uh, um, and you're, you're familiar with that one the, 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 the is that the Delrin one that's kind of a shiny purple it's this one uh Oh yeah, yeah. So Delver yeah. five hundred, yeah, that one's that yeah, one's yeah, classic. I, yeah, I I use this pick for many, 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 many years, like probably a good fifteen years. Um, and then I just didn't really appreciate the way that it was hitting the string, like it would brush off the string too much. And that's when I was introduced to a lighter uh, sharpie pick. And then I really liked the way that sounded when it hit the string. But I just I really had to focus more on using just the very end of the pick because it was very easy to get to drag, you know, like it would get stuck almost. Mm-hmm. So um, I was like, hmm, I really like this pick, but I needed to be heavier. So that's when I kind of graduated more towards like the 1.5, 1.75 version of that pick. And then that's basically what stuck with me for the rest of my life. And I've tried numerous other guitar picks and I always just go back to to my classic uh, 1.5 Luma signature because it just feels the best. And uh, it's hilarious when I actually give that people, uh, give that pick to people to play because they're like, this is impossible. You know, this is like, <laughs> I can't use this. But then like a week later, they always get back to me and said, this is the best thing ever. It's mm. really about 
just using the amount of pick that you need on the string. But the way it slams on the string, it's just so like, it's so audible with the clicking sound of the, you know, I love that very aggressive, like, you know, uh, sound that you're getting with that pick. So that's the main reason I use it. And it's awesome for rhythms. Um, it's an all around great pick for me. So I, that's what I stick with, you know, it's a that's total kind of phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Thank you for telling us like, like the, yeah. that, that particular shape is, you know, mm -hmm. has been adopted by some really great players. You being the one that I, the number one guy that I knew that played that shape for the longest time. And then mm -hmm. the a couple of guys came along like Tim Henson and Scotty LePage of Polyphia. They're mm. using slightly, they're using the purple, like the 1.14. Um, okay. Sharp, Tortex Sharp, right? And I actually, Oh, so they are using those. Okay, that's cool. They, yeah. But dude, like when last time I saw him in LA, I walked up and I was like, yo, like you guys got to try this one. And I gave him some Loomis mm -hmm. figs. And they're oh. like, what? I'm like, this, yeah, it's, it's thicker. I don't know if you can handle it, but um, so yeah. I know that they have a few of those. I don't know if they've switched over, but um that's very cool what great players those guys are wow yeah those so guys and, and the chon boys too mario uh and, and, oh, and yeah. those guys they play the same purple picks as polyphia so um okay cool cool but like this it's yeah. not a real it's not a real popular because it's a, it's actually it takes a lot of tact it takes a lot it actually makes you a better player i think if you stick mm. with that pick because you have to be more precise mm -hmm. as you were showing you know and but once you mm -hmm. kind of graduate into it then you, yeah. you actually have all the pick you need, you know? That's that's exactly right. And, and one good uh, thing I can say that it, it's kind of similar. I don't know if you remember a thing that they had out back in the day called the stylus pick. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just I just got a couple of these. Dude, that is crazy. <laughs> I, I, I know I have a few of those laying around uh, yeah. my house somewhere. I always have, like, these little pick jars, you know, laying around the house. Oh, and um, <laughs> it's kind of... Um, <laughs> There you go, man. <laughs> yeah i've since graduated from the bowl uh what? to to a look at this oh my gosh you <laughs> yeah and and i, I even shit. like you gotta you're lettered it, you know? top, bro <laughs> yeah the thing is is that you know i don't just use my signature pick for like everything like i'll use a much 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 lighter pick um for acoustic guitar you know what I mean? Like for 12 string, because a lighter pick for acoustics is just beautiful. The way it sounds and the way it brushes on the string. Um, you know, uh, gosh, what, what kind of pick would I use for that? Uh, something along the lines of like, maybe, you know, something like this. I'm sorry. You know, something oh, like yeah. that. It's a 1.14 yeah. dollar. Yeah. Or something even lighter than that, perhaps, you know. But being back to the stylus pick that you just showed there, it's very similar to my pick in a way. Not that it gets mm. hung up on the string if you go too deep on it, but just using the very end of the pick, you know, is kind of the same method you're as right. I do for, for fast passages. You know what I mean? I hadn't even thought about so. that, but you're right. Like you, you could even, mm -hmm. if you can't find stylus picks out there, friends, and you want to sharpen your playing, just buy Jeff Loomis mm -hmm. picks. Cause there you go. You, yeah. can, you know, even, yep. even if you learn it on that pick and you don't stick with that pick, it's going to make you a better player when you go back to exactly. your regular pick, whatever it is. That's a yeah, good point. Yeah. It really, really makes you examine your right hand too. You know, I found out also with, uh, you know, people that are interested in fast playing and all that stuff that for me personally, it's, it's very much a wrist, a wrist thing, you know, like a, mm -hmm. 
like, you know, gypsy jazz guitar players are always using just their wrists for very fast passages. And you can really gain a lot of momentum like that uh, for long periods of time. You'll notice like Eddie back in the day too, you know, doing his crazy technique like that. It's always his wrist and stuff like that. And not the whole arm, you know, I'm using more of my whole arm for more rhythmical playing, you know, mm -hmm. but for fast passages and scale type stuff, it's all, it's all wrist action. And, um, it's just the way my particular style is, you know, so yeah, there you go. I, I, I've heard a few people, uh, I think maybe it was even, I don't know if it was the Chan guys or if it was Tim, but one mm -hmm. of, a couple of people that have used the, that, that style, that shape of pick claimed mm -hmm. that they, part of the love for it for them was that because it was kind of an elongated tip that it mm -hmm. actually gave more room for, for, uh, for using hybrid picking like there you go. the fingers. And it, yes, I don't yes, know. They said that yeah. it aided them in that way too. So that's really cool. Yeah, those crazy kids with all their hybrid picking. <laughs> I, I know. I I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it, it warms my heart to hear that you can't or that you don't. Uh, because <laughs> I, you know, I honestly, I really, I, I've, I've tried to do it sometimes, you know, but it's, it's very difficult for me. You know, I just, uh, I kind of stick to what I know. You know what I mean? I don't even know yeah. theory for Christ's sake. So um, I'm actually working on on learning theory right now from a good friend of mine. Um, oh, cool. And just learning like the particular scales and all that stuff. Um, I took a theory class a long time ago when I was like in my teens. And I just, you know how some things just don't connect with you? Like I, mm -hmm. <laughs> to me, guitar has always been kind of a feel instrument, you know, and just like, um, I, I guess I was always blessed with having a pretty good ear where I could actually figure out songs by listening back to them. I remember to this day backing up, you know, record player needles and playing <laughs> things on slow, you know, Ooh. to learn certain passages and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, if anybody ever gives you shit about, you know, you must know theory, it's not necessarily like you really need it. You know what I'm saying? It's it's just one of those things that I think can add to your 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 playing and all that. And uh but you know, I don't think it's a necessity. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's good to hear right. too. I mean, I think I think you know, it, a little bit of a, a little bit of knowledge can go a long way if you're if you're interested in, like you said, if you have the love for it, you're going to sort out yeah. how to accompany yourself or how to uh, move forward. And and having a little bit of theory, a little bit of understanding about how the things work, at least, mm -hmm. um, definitely mm -hmm. helps lay out the fretboard. Definitely helps you kind of like see where the things repeat. But like yeah. the true true chordal theory and like all that stuff, yeah, that's him really go right <laughs> over your head like real quick because you get into inversions. Yeah. You're like, oh no, that's the third yeah. inversion of the thing, and, and the root is actually in the bass. Yeah. And you're like, what? It's it's yeah. mind blowing to me to see people talk like that when musicians are sitting down and when they can talk that that language. And that blows my mind. But it's just like, wow, it's it is so intense at times for me, you know? And, uh, and then, you know, you have those guys and gals that know that. And then you have, uh, you have the people that are like, okay, well, I know these three riffs and I use those to the best of my knowledge. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. It, it goes both ways really. And, uh, I've seen people that are in that whole three riff category thing that are major, major rock stars. So mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that either. You know what I'm saying? So Truth. you can go both ways. Yeah, yeah. Do you have you ever you ever mm -hmm. tune into Rick Beato and his channel? That guy's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I watch uh, I watch oh. his channel all the time, and he really gets like really dives yeah. deep into all that stuff. No, he yeah. makes me he makes me want to learn it more because the, he makes it look kind of yeah. easy. He's like, oh, I just put a. He has like a a, mm -hmm. a drone tone that comes in, and he shows you how to that's, play all these. I absolutely modes. love that. I'm like, 
Yeah. Oh man, yeah. he sounds so good. And he does, he picks apart really intense like stuff as well yeah. as pop I'm, stuff, you know? And I, I love his uh, interviews too. Like I just watched a recent one with him and Tony McAlpine and that was really, wow. really cool to hear about, uh, you know, obviously he really went deep in the, uh, the whole, you know, his career and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. Uh, and, and of course, he remember when I got to work with Tony, we did that together. Yeah. So that was like, I was going to say, was man, that's fun. one of the, that's the last yeah. time I got to set something up cool like that. And it was like, it was yeah. kind of my last thing I did at EMG before I went to Dunlop. That's right. Yeah. A, yeah. And that was, that was a good time. He's like one of my favorite guitar players too. So he's, uh, he's, it was just really great to learn more about him and his past and how he started off with music and stuff. But I think Rick, uh, he was like a producer before his channel, right? Got famous. He's like mm-hmm. a very, very, very prominent producer. So yeah. Producer, guitar player, like, and was hooked. He tells some really crazy stories about record label deals when he like found a, like, I, I can't remember mm. any of the names of it, but he like, I remember uh-huh. one time he was talking about finding this really dope band out mm-hmm. in the East coast or something. And, and he like rallied to get these, different labels in to kind of check them out and before he knew it before they even had an album out like just be knowing the right people there, there was a bunch mm-hmm. of people vying for this album and stuff and i love hearing like the behind the scenes like you know yeah. oh, they almost made it but they didn't this album didn't go out and i mean i don't like hearing the people not getting successful but you know right. the, the behind yeah, the scenes yeah. stuff is really interesting um i love that kind of stuff i can listen to that for hours you know or about how an album is made, you know, that's just yeah. one thing I, I get uh, sucked into a lot over the interwebs, uh, late nights, you know, <laughs> you ever so, check out, uh, fun. tours from the tail or wait, t- uh, tales from the tour bus. Uh, uh, yes, I've seen those. Yep. Yep. The ones that are mostly about country. It's like, uh, what's mm-hmm. his name of uh, Mike judge doing all those. Oh yeah. That? Yeah. 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 Because I, I my my brother just made me like lit, I ended up watching the whole first season and it's all like early like outlaw country, but it's okay. stories about <laughs> I mean you got you got it's on Amazon it's incredible like I'm not even okay. a big country fan but you you want to hear these stories it's like all these people double crossing each other getting people getting shot and you know like it was like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a different time, man. I'm like, it was we're like talking the about Wild like, West. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for music, in a weird way, it kind of yeah, it it mirrored that kind of vibe and um and I've heard about this, but be- I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah, yeah, I gotta I gotta check out season yeah. two. I haven't got there yet, but um, it's a lot of Waylon well, Jennings and like uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the other the other guys that uh, came up in that, but uh, Waylon was mm-hmm. a, a prominent figure, um, and there's a couple of guys you just don't know, but they have cool names, you know. Like, and you're like, oh, right, dude, shooter, yeah, this yeah. or you know, <laughs> shooter, shooter Jennings, shooter Jennings, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, I think jo- and Johnny Cash has to be in there somewhere. <laughs> yep, yep. Johnny, and there's and and ZZ Top, like Billy Gibbons comes in and talks a little bit about, mm-hmm. kind of gives context to a couple of the stories and. Um, yeah, that's got to yeah. be real interesting stuff. Yeah, I think you'd enjoy it. They, 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 did, they, they did business differently. They did business <laughs> differently, <laughs> and a lot of cocaine apparently. A lot. Oh, of, oh like yeah, more more oh, yeah. cocaine than I was I was imagining was in the early country <laughs> outlaw scene. Then you know piles, piles, and piles. Piles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not miles of machines. It's miles and miles of coke. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, that's crazy. Yeah, super crazy. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> I just love that back. I remember, you know, 
I think what started that was that kind of VH1 behind the scenes back in the day, right? Mm. Like that was kind of one mm-hmm. of the first like tour diary, like, oh, you know, Mot- with like Motley Crue and different people that you you're like, oh, yeah. that's how it went wrong yep. right there. And uh, right. Yeah. You hear the story yeah. about where they're at now. And so it's like, well, it's, yeah. it's crazy how, how that's all changed too. Uh, well, at, you know, from what I notice anyway, is that there's a lot more people really getting healthy nowadays, um, you know, uh, on tour, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. I see a lot of weights being brought on tour, a lot of green juices being drank, you know, it's like the whole party lifestyle. Um, it's kind of not there anymore, you know, and uh, hey, that's, I guess that's a good thing, you know, because uh, a lot of our friends in the past didn't live through that, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. that's, that sucks, you know, and uh, obviously Warrell Dane being one of those guys, you know, mm. just, uh, I, I, it's, it's horrible, you know, and, um, you know, I think that the, the whole healthy lifestyle is really, it's really in nowadays, you know, and I like to be a part of that too, you know, I want to be around for a while, you know, <laughs> yeah, we want <laughs> to you to be around. continue to play music. <laughs> I, I I actually I, I really love it too. Um, it's interesting mm-hmm. because uh, you know I that's what I wanted to do with my own band was to have some sort of like more positive uh, agenda. You know, as, as a metal band, mm-hmm. be you know um, more forward thinking and and progressive and, and different mindsets, I guess. And and I'm and mm-hmm. there's a lot of that around now, and I'm really thankful for that. Like the vast majority seems to kind of be that. You know, it's like we're yeah. It used to be all like all black, you know, black clothes. I mean, we still wear a lot of black mm-hmm. clothes and metal, but it used to be all that and like kind of <laughs> depressive depression too, you know, just constant depression right. with how the yeah. lyrics and how everything comes from. And now mm-hmm. people are putting out, still putting out dark, interesting thematic albums, right. but like the people are healthy, you know, for the most part, yeah. right? Like we have yeah. a little less of that. I'm sure there's plenty of, genuine depression and and trauma everywhere you look mm-hmm. but at least the right. world's not glorifying the classic rock star as much right i think that may be the thing i think that you're very very spot on with that yeah yeah and uh you know i mean it's just one of those things you know i think everybody's kind of gone through the the dark depressing times and it's really up to you how you want to move on with that and continue your life you know i i decided to take the other path <laughs> mm-hmm. after my my dark heavy days were, were were done and uh it feels good to be just generally generally very aware of my surroundings and what's going on in my life with a clear and focused mind and to me it's just much more it's it's just a better approach for me personally and i just feel a lot better you know and uh, mm-hmm. that just it makes me love music even more you know what i'm saying so those those dark days are behind me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I remember i i caught I caught up with you like professionally mm-hmm. right as you were making the shift, actually, and we had hung out a few times yeah. before. Yeah, and then yep. like it was like the second time I brought you down for EMG, you're like, I'm mm-hmm. I'm clean. I was like, oh, yeah, that's, it's it, that's amazing. Isn't bro. it crazy? It's going to be almost like ten years, I think, in like another year or something. So yeah, yeah that's like 2012 quite a or something, or is it? Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, that's right. 2012, I I stopped yeah. drinking. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're, I'm heading into my uh, 10th year now of sobriety and, uh, it's the best move I've ever made for myself personally. And, uh, I get a lot of other people asking me about it, which is the coolest thing. I mean, I'm no doctor or psychologist or anything, but every so often I'll get, uh, somebody calling me up, you know, and, uh, I'll just, 
you know, I'm not going to tell them what and what not to do, but I kind of maybe just told them my story about what I did to help myself out. And uh, that's the best I can do is to just give my information to them. And hopefully that helps them in some way or, or whatever, you know, to, to move on to a brighter future. Yeah. So I'm always willing to do that. You know, it's not a problem. That's cool. Did you, Mm -hmm. so did you find it, did you have like a a kind of dark night of the soul coming through it and trying to like, you know, transfer towards a clean sober or did it, or was it something you were able to just set down after a a certain incident or something? Well, I mean, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I think it, it all starts off small, right? Like you have that beer and shot before you go on stage and it kind of relaxes you and, uh, you know, two, three years go by, maybe you have two shots and two beers before you go on stage. And before you know it, sometimes it can take a, a hold of you, you know? And um, I think a lot of people that have, you know, struggles with like alcoholism and stuff like that, sometimes have to hit a very big low, you know what I'm saying? To find out that they need to make a change. And that's kind of like what happened to me is I kind of hit like, I don't want to say like a rock bottom or anything like that, but it just wasn't healthy for me. And I, and I knew I didn't feel good. So, um, I just, I up and did something about it. You know, I just made the move and I said, Hey, I'm just not going to drink anymore. You know? And, um, I think a lot of people are like, when they quit drinking, they're, they, they're like, I can't be around other people that drink, but really ultimately if you do something like this, you have to do it for yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, I still to this day don't have a problem being around other people that drink because I know in fact, that I quit drinking because I wanted to and I made the choice. So I don't have any problem being around other people at party. I'm still very social and uh, I just make sure I watch out for myself and I make the right decisions for myself. That's all I can ultimately do. So That's great. And that's a great example, yeah. man. I, I, I can really mm-hmm. appreciate that the way that you don't necessarily aren't interested in, you know, uh, saying this is the way, but this is the way that I did it. And yep. hopefully that yep. is of some sort of use to you, right? Because uh, what yeah. we need in life more often than not is just positive, um, you know, m- like ways of dealing with uh, these tough challenges. And when we see other people overcome, mm-hmm. like, oh, well, Jeff was able to like reach a point where he was like, I just don't want this for myself. I just exactly. genuinely don't want it. So I'm going to set yeah. it down and it's okay what you choose for you. I'm not going to, mm-hmm. you know, proselytize. That's my favorite kind of change. Yeah. My favorite kind of like example in the world is not being totally. attached to other, yeah. other people's outcome necessarily because of your outcome either, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the hardest thing was, was I think playing my first show, which mm-hmm. was um, a solo show at Nam at the Grove in Anaheim. And I was literally just like backstage before the gig, just kind of... Uh. A little bit worried, you know, like, am I going to be able to pull this off? But I mean, honestly, after the first couple of notes were played, I was like, okay, this is where, this is where I ultimately belong is on stage. And I can do this without the help of a shot or whatever, or I I made it through it. It was just like a small hurdle. But Mm -hmm. once you get over that, then you realize you can make other choices that are, that are positive for your, your future. You know, that's all I was, I remember that show. I was there. That was oh you you were that it was a, shek- was a shekhar okay. party thing right I would always get invited that, to those things that is that is correct yep yep that was fun yep. <laughs> I still have it on DVD around here somewhere I'll have to rewatch oh. it <laughs> nice yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's, 
Well, I'm curious. What, what do you uh, what do you got working on these days? Are you? I know that uh, like you've done some Arch Enemy stuff, right? Last couple of years. I mean, I was looking at the yeah today. I was like, whoa, shit. Yep. Jeff's been in that band for like more almost more almost a decade too. Like you're going on like well, 2014 well, or I, something. That's correct. Yeah, 2014 is when I joined Arch Enemy, and um, man, what a wild ride that's been. You know, it's just like unbelievable how fast time flies by when you tour uh, a lot and in arch enemy we are uh, we tour a whole heck of a lot and uh i'm usually out for most of the year when we do um obviously during these hard times right now we've had to take a bit of a break and uh we are hoping to uh be back on the road uh sometime in 22 of course so that's the plans for that um uh, at the moment, I'm working on two albums. Uh, I'm working on my third solo album for Century Media. And I'm also working on an album with uh, the legendary singer Graham Bonnet, who used to be the singer in Alcatraz and Rainbow. And uh, oh, I'm wow. working on an album with him for, for uh, I, I don't know if I can really call it the new Alcatraz album because we don't know if that's what it's going to be titled yet. But mm-hmm. that's going to be something that's going to come out next year as well, too. And uh I couldn't be more stoked about that because I'm a huge fan of his vocals and um, we've been uh, talking quite a bit and uh, it's just fun really writing rock music like that because it's, it's um, I don't want to say easy for me, but it just feels like I'm at home with writing that, that style of music. Mm. So um, yeah. So keeping busy with those two things, um, just trying to play every day, keeping the fingers in shape and um, you know, uh, just keeping busy with music, man. That's all I really have going on at the moment. So I pretty much spend all day down here working on that stuff. And um, everybody's always asking me about the solo record, when, when, when. But I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's like touring so much with Arch Enemy in the past that uh, I haven't really had the time to sit down and completely focus on it. But right now is that time and it'll be out soon, everyone. So there you go. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's good to hear. Oh, that's kind of what I was I didn't want to ask mm-hmm. that, but I wanted to say about, mm-hmm. hey, has the pandemic allowed you to have time to work on that? And it sounds like it has. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. I've just, you know, obviously it's uh, it's been rough times for a lot of people, but I mean, I try to utilize my time and keep busy as best as I can with my music and just stay healthy and um, working on new riffs as we speak. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And have, have you been, uh, I mean, ha- how has, other than like just not going on tour, and dealing with that, have have you and your close loved ones been able to stay safe? Or you have you been affected by the pandemic much? Uh, we've been staying safe. Yeah, yeah. We've really been, you know, following the science and <laughs> if you want to call it that. And just kind of, uh, you know, trying to move forth the best that we can, you know, all vaccinated. Um, got that all taken care of, you know, and um, just trying to uh, do the best that we can so we can, you know, move on from this and, you uh, play live shows again, you know, and just being as safe as we possibly can. Um, everybody in my family has been safe as well. So it's, uh, it's, okay. that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. 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 yeah that's well, that's great to hear, man. I'm super happy about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thank you. <clears throat> yeah. Like it's uh, I've had a handful of friends that have had, you know, Excru- excruciating situations and it lost a of few course people, you know and that's like yeah and then and then my brother my brother and i have same same uh dad different mom and his mm-hmm. mom sadly passed this year and so oh, that's man, like I'm the sorry. closest yeah. thing to me yeah and i mean mm-hmm. she wasn't in in great shape 
you know, prior, but she, you mm-hmm. know, wasn't dying and necessary, you know, and then this thing came along and kind of exploited, uh, yeah. you yeah. know, the underlying circumstances and, and it wasn't retrievable sadly. So, um, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Thank you for that. But uh, it's, uh, it's one of those mm-hmm. things it's like, you know, it, in a lot of ways, like I've, and I've heard, you know, mixed bag from a lot of different people, a lot of, a lot of artists, like, like on one hand, the pandemic, has been horrible, obviously, you know, like, and we've, yeah. there's all this things going on. And then on the other hand, I've actually had more time to write and record mm-hmm. and do my thing, you know, and mm-hmm. be with my family. A lot of people have, um, if you yeah. ended up being at home with loved ones, instead of being separated from them, then it, mm-hmm. it's been some sort of like increase in quality of time with other folks and stuff. So it's yeah. a, an interesting mix. Yep. It really is. I mean, it's like, um, you know, you figure with all the downtime, you would get a lot of work done. But I think a lot of people, it's almost had that reverse effect. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people really do need that interaction with other people just to be kind of gener- generally happy every day. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So like you had mentioned before, it's really affected many people differently. And um, I've just done the best I could with it, you know, and uh, just try to soldier on and move forth every day the best that, that I possibly can. And uh I've been pretty lucky with everything so far. So, you know, I'm just hoping to get back to touring again in 22 um, because damn, I sure miss that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Playing in front of people and it's that itch. You know what I'm saying? It's like Mm -hmm. you you can stop for a while and you can take a break from all that. And that's always needed, you know, to, to refresh the battery, so to speak. But at the same time, it's like, boy, oh boy, you know, it's something you always you know, somebody's tapping you on the back of the shoulder. Wouldn't it be great to play again? And of course, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for that. That's, that's a lot of fun. And of course, Arch Enemy gives me that opportunity to, to go out and play for large numbers of people. And that's just a blast for me. And um, couldn't be more, more happy in that band. It's a lot of fun for me. Uh, really good people in the band, you know, and uh, great friends there. So I'm having a good time doing that. It's great to hear. It's it really seems like mm-hmm. a, a real logical fit for you uh, in a lot. Yeah, of ways, yeah, right? definitely, man, definitely. It's uh, I enjoy the music, you know, the aggressiveness of that, and uh, you know, very low tuned guitars. Yeah, <laughs> and just uh, heaviness. Yeah, it's fun, man. It's a good time. Speaking of guitars, you have one of your uh, your your latest signatures around there. You could just kind of show off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. I'd love to see. Oh my God! Uh, Look at all these guitars. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is the this is the little first glimpse here. This has not oh. even been put out yet. But I'm probably bro. gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna get in in trouble showing you this. But this is my new oh seven my, string. Bro, that yeah. is so killer. So that's a soloist. Yeah. yeah. It is a soloist. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people have been asking me. You know, why didn't you do a seven string Kelly? And really, it's just um, it's balance purposes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, even yeah. though that Jackson can build anything, you know, it's more of a a, a standard balance thing with uh, the way that guitar is shaped and stuff. And I also wanted to just have a Strat soloist shaped body uh, for my seven string, just for comfort level, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the Kelly is more of like uh, it's also a very comfortable guitar, but it's just the look of that is extremely metal and it works for Arch Enemy very well. But, you know, my, my roots and seven string and all that stuff, I, I really wanted to go back to a Strat shape and just kind of move on with that particular 
body shape uh, as far as comfort level. And this one is definitely awesome. So it's that uh, one looks like it's going to do the job, man. <laughs> dude, it's it's a sick guitar. That's all I can say. You know, there's going to be more information coming out very soon about that. So um, everybody cool. be on the lookout. You know, you know. Um, and everybody seems to be really enjoying the Kelly too. I it's nice to be on like instagram sometimes and see people get their guitar finally after mm -hmm. waiting for the order to come in and see them playing it that makes me really happy and it's uh it was a home run that guitar it, it really has done quite well so it's uh I'm very proud of that one i can only imagine yeah. and it's so cool to see you on the jackson <clears throat> team honestly knowing your history Dude. with marty and and, and, yeah. and that being a, a guitar yeah. that marty used to play and like i don't you know mm -hmm. i don't know there's all mm -hmm. these cool things and uh yeah, so yeah, it yeah. kind of seems like this weird kind of home base for you to like land it, there it's with them. Absolutely amazing to be with uh, with Jackson. You know, I started playing Jackson's at a really young age too, like 15, 16. Um, I'd have to travel down to, uh, well, I'm from Appleton, Wisconsin, but I traveled down to Milwaukee and the Chicago area to visit music stores that my friends worked at down there. And they always had like Jackson's and custom shop stuff. And I started, you know, playing those when I was like 15, 16 years old. And I still have photos of me with Randy Rhodes guitars and um, soloists and things like that. And uh, yeah, so I really, I really feel at home with Jackson and I, I think it's a great place for me to be. Uh, I absolutely still think they're the, the most insane guitars out there. So I'm, I'm very fortunate to be with the company. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Like the, the first mm -hmm. guitar I bought in Seattle, actually, uh, probably mm -hmm. the, in 2000 or 2001, I had found a Jackson mm -hmm. Kelly uh, flame maple top with a transparent blue and it had a reverse headstock. And oh, sick. Uh, nice. it was at yeah. the guitar center downtown. And um, and it was mm -hmm. the first guitar I bought, like when I got there and it was the first I played it on the very first show of Only Humans show at the okay. paradox theater in the in the u district and like i still got very a photo cool. somewhere of that very first show we didn't even have a bass player we we're just like we're playing nice. shows we got two guitars <laughs> and a drummer yeah. that's awesome and, you, you don't have the guitar anymore though right oh i'm you such a dummy it. man i went through yeah so prior to jackson i was an ibanez freak so i had all these ibanez i had a red beach like the black and gold red beach and i had a mm -hmm. I had a, a like a 540s that was like pre-Satriani rounded edge like uh, oh yeah uh, radio, and then yeah, uh, cool. I, I I went through a I, go, I I'm just this type of guy where I'm like okay no I'm doing that now so like I get rid of everything and get all the mm -hmm. new shit you know and okay yeah I'm such yeah. a dummy I didn't there's like five guitars through the years where I'm like man those were I what the fuck was I thinking you know like oh man um, but I went That's crazy I went, from, yeah. I went from the Ibanez to the Jackson thing and I had mm -hmm. I had that Kelly that I loved a lot and I ended up getting mm -hmm. the, you know remember the old Guitarville there uh down on uh in, in Shoreline that I place. absolutely do. Yeah, oh, I, yep. I, I actually went there right sick. before they closed and uh, bought like oh. a couple of guitar straps from them. I'm a really big fan of like the mom and pop guitar stores. You know what I'm saying? Too. I always like yeah. supporting those kind of places and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, talking about guitars, it's really cool because back uh, in the day, I had all sorts of different kinds of seven strings and six strings that I used in Nevermore. And I've always had those guitars in cases just rusting away and getting mm -hmm. old. And I recently had a couple like redone and restored, uh, especially Whoa. this one particular ESP seven string that I've had. 
um, I had it sent away and it, they completely redid the guitar and now I have it back and it's just really, it's playable again. And uh, it's something that I'll probably hold on to forever because it was like the most toured guitar I've ever owned. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's just been all over the world. And um, I just wanted it to be able to play again, just so I could just have it. You know what I'm saying? So sure. it's, it's, was it's that your awesome. first seven it's, string. Yeah. Do you have it there? Is that your first seven I string do. or was there something before it, that? It, it was my very first seven string and it's the guitar that I used to record dead heart. So I'll show it to you. Oh, Hang on one second. Yeah, 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 please. Okay. Yeah. Oh, see, I have it right here. Oh. Yeah. The dead heart seven string. Yeah, this is the, you'll see this in a lot of photos. Um, oh, sick. Back, yeah, I think I've seen this actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just recently, you know, all put back together. And um, with your signature pickups. Yeah, my signature pickups are in there. It's missing a string. Sorry, I snapped a string oh. on this the other day. But yeah, but uh, this is the, the original guitar that I used to record with um, for Dead Heart. And um, it's a really nice playing guitar. It was refretted because literally the frets were worn down to the, like the nub. It was just crazy Dude. how much I played this guitar and the hours that. Uh, went in on this but it's just cool to be able to to hold it and play it and you know what i'm saying it's it's a playable yeah. guitar again so that's kind of cool and, and sure um, there's all kind of nostalgia that comes with it too right just like holding yeah that from all those years yeah yeah i mean i still have the the mesa boogie amp as well to or the head that uh i i used to record that album i mean it's not the exact same one but it's something i found on ebay i had to buy one of those as well because that was really a part of the tone of that album was uh, mm. that particular head. I can show you that as well. It's sure. right here. Um, this one. Oh. Man, you're, you got a, quite a few amps now. Huh? Yeah, but it's that Mesa Boogie right there. Oh, it's, it's a like, rack. It's a rack. Yeah. And uh, cool. that's what Andy Sneap and I used um, to Sneap. record the, yeah. To, to record the dead heart record and um we basically just put like a green maxon pedal in front of that and that was the tone for that album and uh it just it worked out awesome you know sometimes you just plug into something and it just works right so. yeah <laughs> man man uh so, how, yeah. how great side, side note how great is andy sneak let's oh uh, he's amazing yeah he's uh so happy for him right now too i mean with this whole the, the gig that he's got and stuff and, and priest and um you know uh that's ongoing then of, right like that he's yeah yeah writing I more mean, with them i think so i think so yeah and uh you know i saw them live a few years ago and was invited out to the show by him and um and he just seemed to fit in really really well played all the songs great and uh yeah good for him you know i i obviously he's an, an amazing producer but uh he's also a great musician as well so yeah and to see him mm -hmm. i'm in faulkner uh which mm -hmm. I'm, i don't know if you saw but i mean gosh he i just did had a whoa yeah yeah so yeah godspeed okay. to, to to richie there for his uh Oof. to recovering quickly uh let's all let's all wish him the best you know he's a yeah, great guitar 100%. player and a, and a and a good guy so yeah speedy yeah. recovery richie yeah yeah absolutely richie yeah, his, his some sort of emergency heart issue mm -hmm. so. yep 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 glad glad, glad to, to see that he sounds like he's on the mend and we're good but like you know yes yes 
Yeah, man. Well, um, yeah, that that went well. I, just that last Priest album was so fucking good. Like mm-hmm. with with Sneep and Faulkner and everything. I was just like, they got to mm-hmm. do this again. They ha- please God let you know. I mean, I want the I want KK and 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 uh, you know the <laughs> the guys to like be a part of it. But it's so cool to have these two powerhouses both being mm-hmm. part of the writing and production and because. Yeah, like, you know, that's right. Because Andy, did, Andy produced the album, right? Yeah, and then yeah, went yeah. On, on tour with them, right? So mm-hmm. I, saw, I, saw, I saw them. Well, yeah, then went on tour. I saw them at the uh, the, the Warfield and on that, that same tour, probably that you were. At. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Killer. Yeah. yeah. Phenomenal. Well, Tip hopefully they'll be able to to resume the tour very soon again. You know. Uh, well, yeah. let's hope. <laughs> and and Glenn is still a very big part of of everything too. I guess you know he still comes out for, uh, you know, certain select shows and things like that. So that's and he's very much into the in still into the writing process as well. So right. that's good to know that that he's still a part of that and uh, as he belongs there. You know, he's a founding member basically. So hundred <laughs> percent. That's 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 great. He's still doing that. Yeah, it was cool to see Tipton with them and come out for select songs, but then let the young guns mm-hmm. fire away for most of the set. And then he would come out and do select things. And I'm like, this is right. such a really awesome way to to do the thing that they're doing, right? Instead of just, they're not replacing their guy mm-hmm. that can't hold it down all the time. They're like, no, no, he's mm-hmm. he's the guy. Like, we, these are the guys, like, and the young guys. Right are super uh you know honoring of who they're filling in for and how and how they're you know shifting the band and they're just doing really well by it. It just feels great. I can't yeah, say good, yeah. enough good things about it. It was a fantastic show. I remember that. And Andy and I went guitar shopping before that. So it was oh. <laughs> <laughs> or did we? I can't remember. Did we go guitar shopping? Yeah, I think so. I we took a small tour of Seattle or something like that. It was fun. We had a nice full day together and, you know, I've known Andy a long time now, so it's always nice to run into him and, and catch up. So. Yeah. What's, yeah. What do you have any, you have any non shred guitars that you really love in your collection? Oh, non shred guitars. Well, uh, most of them are shreddy, shreddy guitars. I know. Of got, course. <laughs> well, you know, I've got, uh, I've got this, do this thing. Oh, you shred on this? (laughs) Is that like uh, you shred on this with this action? Slide. That'd be a little bit rough, bro. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I know. I think that's what most of most most starter guitars feel like, though. You know, like exactly like an old classical guitar, and somebody's just like has it in the corner of their room. Like here, you you play guitar, and you're like, oh my god, this is exactly like two inches off the fretboard. That's kind of funny you say that because sometimes you know it's always fun to warm up on an acoustic guitar you know because the action mm-hmm. is just so much like more difficult and then you get on your real guitar and you're like <laughs> yeah and you're so that's kind of fun away. but yeah i've got i got little things laying around like that um i've got um a couple of cl- really nice classical guitars i'm really into acoustics like i love like mm. really nice acoustic guitars i've got a martin d40 and I've, i just recently bought a guild f50 i think it's called 12 string um mm. And or is it an F550? I can't remember. But uh, I love I love acoustic guitar. I love writing on acoustic, so I have a bunch of those around. Um, yeah, I've got numerous numerous guitars. Probably too many, you know. <laughs> I don't need that many. <laughs> but it's kind of like a hobby, you know, collecting yeah. stuff. Um, I enjoy doing that. Um, 
you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's fun to have guitars laying around for different things and different sounds. So, um, it's what I do for a living, man. I'm allowed, right? <laughs> bro, you don't have to. You don't have to make excuses to me, bro. I'm, I'm like, t- tell me about all 500 of them, please, because yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, what, but, what else do I have? God, I've got a lot of strats. I'm like, I love mm. strat guitars. Um, you have a favorite have, strat? Uh, well, I might. I'll show you my go-to guitar right now. Is okay. uh, like for for writing and stuff like that. Um, is this a custom Charvel that was made for me? Ooh, buddy, is mint that a green. mint green pick guard? Oh. Yeah, yeah, the, the mint green. Yeah. Uh, oh. Got Seymour Duncan pickups in there. I think a JB in here, and uh, a quarter pounder here, and like a Floyd Rose, uh, one volume knob, and uh, just this gorgeous neck with a reverse headstock. Dude. Custom shop Charvel built by Red Dave. And oh, uh, the back of that neck man. is just gorgeous. And it's this is a beautiful guitar to play and record with when you're just sitting down for hours and uh, and just want to write loud. riffs, you know? Yeah, it's very loud, like when it's not plugged in. So it's a very it's a tone guitar, you know? It sounds very, very mm-hmm. nice plugged in. Uh, so this is kind of my... Uh, these are stainless steel jumbo frets. Oh, stainless. Got it. Yeah. They look, they look, look kind of always... gold from here next to that neck. Yeah, the I mean, I've always loved awesome. I know, I know. It's a, it's um, it's a really comfy guitar to play. Um, I've always loved like jumbo frets, you know, just for, for bending purposes. I I, I like that. Um, mm. and uh, just a beautiful guitar, man. So yeah, this is kind of my my main axe man. at the moment. And as for strats, yeah, I've got a couple of um, USA Custom Shops. I love those guitars. I love the sound of them. Um, got a couple Melmstein strats you know, with the oh, scallop yeah. necks. Yeah, yeah. You get along with those, all right? Oh, I do. Yeah, I've got a few guitars that are scalloped. So um, I, uh, you know, I I, I I get into those. Those are fun. Yeah. Do you run a regular set of strings on them, or do you run lighter strings or heavier strings when you when, um, when you scallop guitars? I'm no. I'm usually always doing like. Um, I believe it or not, I have like different gauges of strings for different things. Like for Arch Enemy, mm. um, we're in C standard tuning, which is kind of, you know, uh, you need heavier gauge strings, obviously, for that. So I have a custom a custom set of Ernie Balls that I use for that. Um, I think starting at around 56 and then ending at 11 uh, for C standard tuning. For uh, seven string, it's usually nine through 46 and a 62 on the bottom. And for a standard six string, I'll usually just use the regular nine through 46 gauge. So mm-hmm. um, I used to use a lot heavier gauge back in the day, like 10 through 10 through uh, 52. Um, but, you know, as we get older, sometimes your hands just feel a little bit weaker. So I just lightened everything up. So it's just easier for me to execute certain things. So sure. nine through 46 is my standard, my standard gauge now. Is it still uh, Ernie Ball like Paradigms or something like that? Uh, just your standard Ernie Ball. Uh, stainless steel strings basically oh yeah 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 yep that's cool man yeah actually Mm -hmm. i I remember that i remember the seven string gauges because when i was at dunlop i was trying to figure out like what the best gauges were for seven string and so like i looked Mm -hmm. at what you were playing i might even asked you and you're like nine through 62 and so that's like that's what Mm -hmm. i use in all my seven string stuff it's nine to six. Yeah, it's, it's almost like right in the middle, isn't it? It's like it's not too light and it's not too heavy. It's just kind of like 
I can work with this, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's been pretty standard for me. Um, sometimes if I'm doing like solo stuff and I'm in the studio, just doing solos all day, I'll even lighten up even more. And sometimes even have an eight on the top and it's just so easy to just get really big bends and huge vibrato with the uh, eight gauge. Uh, so I'll, I'll sometimes do that if I have a pack laying around, you know, that's, that's cool. My, I, my friend Stratton mm-hmm. Marshall, I don't know if you know Stratton. He's a Instagram. Yeah, I guy. follow him on Instagram. I follow him. Yeah. He's cool. Okay. He's got a lot of cool little, like, little, is he in a band at all? Or does he just, no, I think just he's got it? his own solo thing. He's working on a solo album himself. He's just been a teacher oh, for he a long is. time. Yeah. And okay, uh, now cool. he plays cool. eights. He, he's trying to be kind of convince me to play eights. He's like, He's like, because we made oh, okay. him a Kiesel, uh, a headless, uh, we made him one of these, like a headless Delos mm-hmm. style. Right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He, okay. And But his is all crackle finish. And uh, he was like, I mm-hmm. want you to, you know, scallop the frets because he's a big Ingve fan too. And he's like, oh, I, okay. I, want, so I, want, like I, want, I want the 20 inch radius. I want the flattest mm-hmm. Holdsworth neck. And I want like mm-hmm. the jumboist frets with the, <laughs> with the, with the uh, you know, scallop. And then I'm going to put a set of eights on it. <laughs> and he shreds yeah. the shit out of it so i'm like all right man that's really I noticed, light really light he uses like one of those gigantic picks too like right it's like got the really big holding part and a very thin like oh is it a per- is it a uh yeah it might be the big stubby is that what it is yeah yeah he I, i've seen him use like these really like large picks yeah i don't know I it was it interesting to me yeah or something like that but yeah he's a really good good player i watched i watch his videos i um follow a lot of guitar players on instagram you know um i'm really into uh i think like the guy that's the shit right now for me personally is probably like wes hauk from alluvial uh, that guy is such a good player and uh that new album that, that he just put out is pretty pretty damn sick <laughs> some yeah, great riffs in there man that guy yeah. west west is uh he's magic man he's one of the yeah he's players he's really good yeah I'm jealous. That guy's that guy's amazing. <laughs> He's got some great. Well, that's that's like, a high he really, man. He really speaks like with his, uh, you know, he's not just shredding off some passage. You know, like there's a lot of thought and uh, a lot of thought about where he's playing around certain chord changes. He's, he's really thinking there. You know, so that's uh, that's really cool. And um, I think he really stands out right now as being awesome. I also really like that um, Brandon Ellis. He's a killer. Oh, yeah. He's a killer yeah. guitar player. Um, he's in uh, the Black Dahlia Murder. Yeah, what a great guitar Really, player. really, yeah, really good guitar player. Uh, and who else? Um, there's a couple of other guys out there that are just, like, super awesome. You know, people that make me want to put my guitar down. So, <laughs> oh, man. You know, like, that's, that's my whole feed is full of it, and I'm – and it's like every other player i'm like oh that's killer it makes me want to play the next one i'm like oh that's killer i don't want to play yeah. oh, killer. that makes me want to i know play. that's kind of like the weird thing about those that instagram thing you know it's like i sometimes find myself spending too much time on there like oh man look at that you know it's like when i should really just be you know focusing on myself <laughs> but it's easy it's easy to get um carried away with that stuff you know because it's almost like one feed leads into another and then all of a sudden you're on this guitarist rampage thing for like two hours and then it's just like uh i gotta get out of here get me yeah. out of this black hole damn it you know so <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah. or and, yeah. yeah for me it's like i end up finding some sort of you know something that's exciting 
following the hole mm-hmm. and it leads to something else. And I have like probably equal parts guitar and comedy stuff in my feed. So like <laughs> right I'll start yeah. like going down the comedy, you know, rabbit hole because it's hilarious and I can't stop laughing and sending it. You find something that's hilarious. You want to send it to your friends and like that's I know. That's I know. I've been I've been on a Zach Galifianakis kick lately. That guy's oh, like, yeah? so <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Dude, his deadpan is outrageous. I love the shit he will say like in, uh, on the uh, between two ferns. You know, I just that, that I, shit is. You got to watch the, the blooper reel. It's oh hilarious. yeah, there's a blooper reel for that, and uh, he says some stuff in there that it's just like so off the hook, man. It's it's <laughs> hilarious. Just type in. Uh, I will. Between two ferns bloopers. I think there's a part one and a part two that's okay. worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's just like but, you know, know, I I am I'm, I'm so in awe of comp comedians that can can like deliver like such deadpan <clears throat> shit and like and hold and and hold it because like yeah. I could you know I it's like it's such an art to watch that and then you're like I could Dude, it is busting up the whole time, man. I couldn't keep a straight face with that shit. Do, do, have you ever been like not getting off the subject here of guitar playing, but have you ever been to a real live comedy show? A couple, yeah. I saw Rogan it, one time, and he had a couple people open for him, and it's amazing. Dude, yeah, it's like it's a it's an experience because um, you really see how personal it is. You know, when you're sitting there watching the comedian, like like uh, two feet away from you. And I got the chance to see uh, Harlan Williams. Did you ever hear yeah. of Harlan Williams? I've heard of him. I've uh, never seen him. Yeah, he was uh, a great, just a, so funny. And I saw him in LA, like um, probably close to like 10 years ago. And it, he was so funny, in fact, that we snuck into the second show. And <laughs> it was crazy because his second show was completely different than his first. Like he didn't repeat anything. You Whoa, know? Nothing, yeah. nothing was... Nothing was textbook like, you know, let's, let's just, yeah, let, let's repeat the first show. He did everything completely different. And I was just blown away by that. The guy's like full of jokes. So that was a lot that of fun. Was, <laughs> that is awesome. I, I like yeah. probably my best experience with that was I saw uh, Dave Chappelle and John Mayer. Oh. Yeah, at, I've seen at, Chappelle at, live too. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. And I, I was so mm-hmm. taken aback. Um, it was at the Fillmore in SF. And, um, oh, okay. He, they just kind of gang up and hang out and John Mayer comes out and plays guitar and he's funnier yeah. than you, than you want him to be too. You know, like I was, I wasn't right. ready for him yeah. to be kind of, you know, but he is, he, he's got, he, he's always showing his kind of like comedic wit on his Instagram anyway, but I didn't know how it would hold up in person, but it did good. And yeah, then Chappelle yeah. came out and just slayed us all because he's, he's yeah. so relaxed. He's so comfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, and the fact that they, I loved that they took our phones away. I don't know if they did that when you saw them too, but they're like, put them no, in bags. I, I, I saw Chappelle at the Moore Theater, actually. Oh, okay. And this was probably six, seven years ago. And oh. um, no, they didn't take our phones away. But, but it was a fantastic show, though. It was really, really good. And uh, speaking of that John Mayer guy, that guy yeah. is an awesome guitar player. Wow, he's a great, great guitar player. So I good. love his little lessons that he does, you know, like when he's just like, kind of being intimate you know like on on the uh channel wherever he like his youtube channel and he'll just sit there and kind of vamp on a, a chord thing and sh- he'll show you how he kind of steps around that lead wise and i just think that's just fascinating he's a really well-rounded player that guy sure you know? is yeah i mean yeah, in, yeah. In that genre of music uh you know mm-hmm. to it's, there's so much finesse mm-hmm. to be not too much but yeah. enough right like you know not to be like, yeah 
because you can easily yeah. be too much in that genre, like as a player and with, with, with smart, totally. you know, you can overplay, yeah. but yeah, he knows is, properly. Yeah. Yeah. To how to hold it back. Right. Exactly. And I, I like his love for old Charvels too. He always seemed holding like a weird, like an old Jackson, like Jeff Beck model or something like that, or like, uh, Mm. like uh an old like strat charvel or something like he he, he loves that kind of stuff the, the hot rod la kind of guitar he likes those so that's kind is of there, cool is too. there a jeff, a jeff beck jackson is there well a- there was there was this i have one here that was similar to the if you remember back um when he was doing work with like rod stewart uh for um sure was it guitar shop or what album was that he had like he had a Jackson soloist model with th- uh, three single coils in it. And they oh. have a guitar like that out now that they kind of reintroduced again, but mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, he actually, I don't know if it was a signature model, but I think they just called it the Jeff Beck model because you always saw him holding it and playing it, you know? Okay. And okay. I, I have one here, but it's tucked away in the back and I can't no reach it right now. But no. anyway, yeah. I'll look it um, up. That's cool. I would love look to it see up. Yeah. Uh, Jeff with the with a Jackson. That'd be kind of cool. It's got a really weird pick guard on, on it, and it's got three single coils in it. So, yeah, check it out. Oh. It's, it's a cool guitar. I can't remember the name of it now, damn it. Uh, oh. Anyway. No, it'll, anyway, it'll, Google it'll, it. It'll, it'll pop up. Yeah, I'll Google it, man. No, it's so fine. Okay. It's fine. Right. Man, um, Jeff Beck, dude, like <laughs> the whole world. I'm so glad that we are on the planet still right now, currently on the same at the same time as that guy. Like dude yeah he uh he's phenomenal like check out the uh, dvd uh live at ronnie scott's that's amazing yeah i don't uh some very very uh small club in england um i think it's in england and uh a very intimate show yeah him and uh vinnie kelly luda uh drums um Tal Wickenfield, is that her name on bass? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And somebody else on keyboards that I don't know, but it's an awesome show. Oh, my God. It's some um, okay. fantastic playing. And uh, I have it on Blu ray around here somewhere, but I, I think it's also on YouTube if you type it in. So check that out sure. if you get a chance. Phenomenal playing. He's just one with that strat, man. He speaks through that thing, and it's phenomenal. Beautiful. I've seen him yeah. play live three times now and every time i'm just oh. like what 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 I've, yeah you know, i've never live? been able i've never seen him live unfortunately so hopefully that day will come yeah man i i would definitely try to get it in next time he's mm-hmm. out because who knows i mean he's in his 70s now i think um right I've, yeah I've, yes. I've, i had the, the fortunate uh the fortune to to meet him a few times you know um because he played across the street across the the freeway from emg so like there's this oh, the, wow. this place there called the uh, well they were calling it the Wells Fargo Center but it's the Luther Burbank Center and he would come mm-hmm. through every couple of years and mm-hmm. I just happened to land at the right time there hanging out with Dunlop and he was uh, playing with Buddy Guy and so I got oh, to wow. see those two back okay. to back and Buddy is still a riot live I had no idea I had no That's idea awesome. that guy is a shit talker you like Buddy okay. Guy is like he's like. <laughs> He is. That was. I was like. I did, Nobody warned me that I was in for a fucking treat with Buddy Guy. But oh, like, uh, I mean, I knew. That's... I knew the playing was going to be good, but kind of old school. But like, it was good, and he was kind of just yeah. larger than life, you know. And then, uh, 
but I, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I was told by Jeff's tech. I was, it, it was, they were like, Hey man, he likes Northern California red wine. So like, you know, you got a backstage Ooh. pass, you know? Yeah. And I was yeah, like, yeah. okay. So I, I stopped in and bought like a hundred dollar bottle of wine on the car, the company credit <laughs> card. And it was hanging yeah, out yeah. backstage. And I was like, Hey, you know, uh, what's up, man, yeah. Chris from Dunlop, like I brought this for you. And he was like, uh, yes. And so we had awesome. like a little moment and had a glass, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, man that's that's wonderful man that's wonderful that's uh some something that you have to uh keep in your thoughts forever you know what i'm saying what a legend <laughs> super legend super legend. super legend man that's awesome man jeff what dude i i can't even say thank you enough for for hanging out and uh spending some of your your morning with me and uh and telling it's been my pleasure from, yeah them, yeah i, I uh, appreciate you, you you listening and i i appreciate all my fans out there and um you know, I, I also want to thank everybody for their patience with me at the, getting this third album out. You know, it's going to be out soon. And um, let's uh, let's all, you know, hope for a, a brighter 2022 and more live shows. And uh, thank mm-hmm. you for everything, Chris. I had a good time talking with you today, man. man it's been my thank pleasure, you. man. Hope you have a great day, Jeff. I hope you do too, Chris. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Players Pick Podcast. Picks and Perspective with Chris Johnson. 